Now is the winter of our discontent, made glorious <laughs> summer by the sun of York. Ooh. Welcome back to Are You Watching Closely? I'm Spencer Channel. And I'm Mallory Strom. I'm a composer, writer, and IMDb nerd. I'm an artist and mathematician, and I use Netflix as a nightlight. And we're here to break down and analyze our favorite and your favorite film and TV episodes. We believe the, the unexamined film is not worth watching. And if you watch closely, it makes the, the film more valuable, and it makes the, uh, the time you spend doing it more valuable. And mm. you get closer with... Uh, your friends that you watch with and also with the movies you watch. <laughs> Hence, watching closely, R and you. <laughs> are you watching closely? closely. <laughs> Today, we're, we're having sort of, uh, we're breaking ground on are you watching closely in today's episode. Yeah, um, a little bit. A little bit, because this is the first um, short that we're doing an episode on. Um, it's our first short film. Yeah. And it's a, it's a short film from 2010 called Sintel that you've seen before, but I haven't. I've seen it before. Well, I mean, I, I've seen it now. But. Well, just moments ago, you finished watching it, yeah. And you can listen to our initial reactions to Sintel on our companion podcast, Close Viewers, which you can access uh, by becoming a patron on our Patreon uh, for $5 a month. You can uh, come and watch shows with us um, uh, over there. So, yeah. uh, And I think this is the part of the podcast where we should say, if you haven't seen the, the movie Sintel yet... <laughs> Go watch it. You really come this, back. There will be spoilers. It's very important. The, 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 this this short film in particular um, is twisty turny, and uh, it's not one you want to hear people talk about uh, or read things about before you go and watch it for yourself. Because if yeah. if you don't, you you really got to go and uh, uh, see it for yourself uh, before. Absolutely. Yeah, you get primed for anything in particular. Um, Except for now you've been primed for Twisty Turny, so try and forget that part and just watch it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So today's episode, the 2020, 2020, 2020 oh the 2010 <laughs> animated film, Sintel. <laughs> where to begin? Uh... I mean, I'm happy to begin at the very beginning because that cold open uh, to the short film was like kind of like, I, I mean, stunningly beautiful uh -huh. um, and so simple in its storytelling. Um, I, I know we're sort of like diving into details uh, real wow. quick. I don't know if that's... It's great though, because like this is the first time you've seen this film and I, I've seen it before. I've seen it, I saw it years ago. Um, it's... When I, I, I remember, like, just being in awe of it the first time I saw it mm -hmm. back in, like, high school or middle school or whatever. It was very short after it came out. So, mm -hmm. like, your first impressions of it, I I kind of value more uh, the fact that you just watched it for the first time than anything, like, I have to say about my impressions. Because, mm -hmm. like, it's been so long since I, like, I, you know, I saw it for the first time so many years ago. So, like, yeah, yeah what, what stood out to you? Like, what is... I mean, the, the landscapes in particular, I mean, I... In, in close viewers, I, I mentioned a, a couple times, it looks a lot like Journey, which is this really beautiful video game. Um, 
no dialogue, no nothing. It's just like, a, a, as you said, a, a game about journeys, a game about adventures, storytelling. Quests. Quests. Yeah, it's a game by um, That Game Company, um, and you can play it on PS4. I think you can play it probably on PC as well and, and other platforms. Um, it's the score is by Austin Wintery. Uh, there's no dialogue, um, but you, you you know you get to go on these uh, like in an abstract way. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you get to experience all the beats of like the hero's journey uh, in, in in a very classic sense, um, and yeah. it's really really cool. It's it's very abstract, but somehow also very tangible at the same time. Yeah, really beautiful about stories and and words and the power of of speech and yeah. And, and and it can also be very lonely mm. um, because you you play as a character with with no major like friends. You might like run into other players while um, while you're going through the world, but mostly it's just like you and like this really vast desert landscape, and later this really vast uh, um, snowy mountain landscape. Which seems kind of in 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 what is apparently an ineffable way, just too vast, um, and 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 kind of almost discouragingly so, um, and so the the landscape itself becomes this this really impressive obstacle, and that's that's what the the cold open of um, Sintel felt like to me. Truly a cold open, a very yeah, a freezing yeah, yeah. cold open. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And, like, we just, like, have our single character. And there's another, like, character who is, like, you know, obviously an antagonist. But the primary antagonist seems to be the... Nature. Yeah. Yeah, just the The force of, yeah, mountain Uh to traverse. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Because of that, like we're we're introducing this character who we just get a sense is doing something against all odds. Um, like you know, the the world is stacked against her, um, and uh, and and she's trying anyway. And so, yeah, I think immediately we sympathize with this character who is is like being attacked uh, by people, by the world, um, and by herself too. She seems really just like weathered. Um, in a way that's like we know that at every point on this journey she's on, she's had to decide whether to keep going, mm. you know. Yeah. And she's chosen to keep going despite all of the you know hardship. Yeah, and I also get this uh, along with the impression of like the, the the obstacle of nature. I get this impression of spirituality, like the reason that she's decided to keep going every time she has had to make that decision is because she has like some uh, spiritual connection with this journey. Later we discover maybe it's like the kind of spiritual connection you feel with friends who you're really, really close to. Mm-hmm. Um, you would do anything for them and yeah, you'd move mountains. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and she does. Um, so, you know, we're talking really specifically about a lot of different things. Like, your general impressions, though, like, how does it, how did it leave you feeling at the end of the film? Um, like, what do you walk away with? There's a lot to process. Like, every time I see it, like, to me, like, I'm uh, uh, kind of speechless for a little bit. Uh-huh. It's the kind of thing where I have to, I have to, like, have a little bit of a buffer time to kind of process. And it feels very unresolved in a way that, like feels true to life as well you know and so it's it's not it's not like very cut and dry straightforward sort of uh like morally um uh-huh. in a way that like 
just leaves me a little bit, uh, a little speechless, a little bit like not quite ready to, to pin it down. Um, <laughs> like this is what it was, you know? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess my general impression, like how I'm feeling afterward is like, I, I kind of empathize with, with this character and her, um, impulse to just like move on. Mm. Um, having, you know, been through this terrible ordeal and having done one of the the worst things that she could have done for herself just to mm. like there's nothing left to do but to just like continue yeah and like try and like shed some of the things that 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 feel like tainted now like her her um her blade and her armor oh which um, she which she, uh, she just like tosses to the side and just like walks um yeah and that I think symbolizes a, a, a sort of a, a shift in her uh, her values. You know, she's she's changed a little bit at this point um, from yeah. from being so combative. Uh, you know, like it's almost like these are these are the tools she used to enact you know terrible grief upon herself. Um, and and it's like she she can't even will herself to carry these things with her any longer. Right, and it it sort of like marks a change in identity from uh, a hunter, um, which is how she was described in the beginning, um, to really like more of a nomad, more of just like a a traveler. Yeah. All she has now are her feet. Um, (sighs) We're both kind of near to tears. (laughs) I I definitely cried watching the short. um, And this, this may be a tearful discussion. Um, It's not, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't offer an easy solution to anything. It presents a really morally ambiguous situation that is fraught with grief and, Um, and, 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 and really difficult to process and digest. Um, so, I mean, it, it, but I think there's, there's, uh, truth in it. Um, I think it really, uh, it presents a, a really difficult scenario in an unblinking way, um, where it doesn't try to sugarcoat, uh, this tragic story, um, but just walks through the beats of the story in a very, like, it's really straightforward. In fact, it's quite economic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really efficient. It tells you what you need to know at each beat of the story. And, and, and with rich characters, I'm not saying it's, it's, uh, merely archetypal, not necessarily. I mean, I, I don't mean to say that it's like just the, what you need to know. It tells you what you need to know for sure. But in addition, like the characters are rich and there's lots mm. of world building that happens as well. Um, it's not like that efficiency is at the cost of like a rich story world, you know? Yeah. Um, but it does, it just, it, 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 you know, when it tells the story, it's very just like efficient. Here's what you need to know. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so much of, of the detail is provided in the visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, where you get this, this imagery of her, her spear or, uh, I don't know, it looks like it's a spear on one side and like a, an ax or something on the other. Um, I don't know what that. We could call it staff. Staff, (laughs) that's a good good word for it. (laughs) She's got this imagery on her staff of this uh, tree, Mm -hmm. which shows up throughout the film. And it seems like the the kind of image that seems so essential to um, stories with dragons and mythical creatures, um, where, like, dragons are, are, are kind of, like, scary, untouchable, and, like, this symbol sort of, like, signifies them, but in a way that, like, tells you that, like, you kind of have to stay away. 
Um, Like the tree is the place of the dragons and Mm -hmm. it's in this circle. And like, we remember that they're there, but you will never go there. Mm -hmm. And if you see this tree, it means there's dragons and Mm -hmm. you must come home. (laughs) There'll be dragons. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, also trees represent, often trees in stories represents life Mm. um, and, uh, uh, you know, nature and like fertility um, and... And so there's, there's this kind of reverence for the dragons as well. Yeah, but um, then you know there, there's a there's a seasonal thing that happens in the film too, where mm-hmm. like the, this this image of a tree that is like supposed to be very like uh, associated with like life and spring and like rebirth because mm-hmm. of because trees lose their leaves and, and gain their leaves right. becomes sort of tragic, um, and you have to watch Sintel do what a tree does every spring, and and you know having lost everything uh, it, it needed to survive to like rebuild its leaves again um to last another year Uh, yeah but then like the the literal imagery is is sort of juxtaposed she's shedding like objects from her body she's shedding her leaves Mm. while the flowers are, are popping up out of the snow so she's sort of like in this like transition to winter while the rest of the world is in a transition to summer. Nature is always at odds with Sintel, isn't it? <laughs> uh-huh. For real. <laughs> yeah. Definitely on this quest at least. Um, uh-huh. Well, okay. Those were, those are a lot of different impressions. We definitely popcorn around uh, concepts and ideas and our initial impressions of the film. Um, I'm looking forward to sort of diving into some nitty gritty uh, uh, stuff that we noticed and sort of extrapolating from, uh, we've, we've thrown away things like, uh, we've thrown out things like uh, visual imagery and we've thrown out things like uh, seasons and springtime and winter and nature versus Sintel. And I'm super excited to really start getting, uh, getting our hands dirty uh, with all this stuff. Cause this is such a rich and dense short. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. Uh, I have so many things I want to talk about with this film. Um, it's hard to choose where to begin. Maybe I should start with just like some background. Um, and I think that's a better place to start than what I was thinking. So let's let's start right here. Um, okay. <laughs> you can tell I love this film so much. It's, <laughs> it's 15 minutes long and it's just jam-packed with so many things that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Sintel, uh, it's a it's a film from 2010. It's an animated film, um, and it's created in uh, an open source animation program called Blender. Um, now you might you might not know this, Mallory, um, but I actually uh, took a course on uh, Blender animation, um, and oh. I after uh, a whole semester's worth of work, I was able to make like a, a, a guy walk in a walk cycle. Oh, I, I think you showed me that. <laughs> Did I show you that yeah. at some point? Um, it's obviously animation. There's so much that goes into it with like uh, you know uh, it, uh, textures and skins and skeletons and uh-huh. uh, you know sculpting and te- I, I don't know all these things. Lighting. Yeah. Uh, it's just so much. And so it's really impressive that this film was done in this open source software. It's really cool. It's one of several films that Blender uh, um, I think sort of sponsors in a way. I don't know exactly how that works, but the idea is that these really uh, good creatives um, come in and they try to make an excellent film with Blender. Blender. Uh-huh. And the tools that are lacking in the program um, 
the the uh, blender will like make as a goal to try to incorporate new tools um and 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 people will get on that uh you know to have oh better lighting uh ability, capabilities and we need oh, better textures and stuff and um and so like there's a series of films um that were created in blender for the purpose of finding uh potential growth points in the program this is one of those films um there are several others you can you can go on youtube and watch and 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 since then you can see kind of how the program uh, has uh, evolved, um, oh. and there's other really good films. I recommend the one called Spring. Um, there's one called Spring that actually came out pretty recently that's really, really good. So it's cool that this film is made in an open-source program. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool that, like, th- all of the amazing things that this creative team was able to 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 make the software do to tell this really cool story. Mm-hmm. Um, to today's standards, you know, that this movie from 2010 looks a little bit like what might be a, a pretty low quality video game cutscene um, these days. But, um, you know, back in those in, in 2010, it was pretty remarkable um, that this open source program could do what it was doing. Yeah. And even now it looks like pretty stunning it's it's pretty remarkable i think all of the like really human uh and like character uh details we can see in the animation um you know i think there's a lot of emotion conveyed in the in the character's body language and their facial expressions um Uh that is really detailed and just really impressive um that like this open source program in what was really like pretty early stages still 2010 um uh that this that this creative team used to to you know its uh highest potential you know like the mountains are designed in a way that it, it looks the best in this program you I know see. Yeah, yeah, yeah um and i just think there's lots of really cool choices they made throughout that uh optimize you know the story they're trying to tell using the program they've got um Mm -hmm. it's pretty neat i i'm a big fan of that aspect of it yeah the uh, one member of the creative team in particular uh who uh did all of the well not all of the necessarily but a lot of the sound design um and the score um i i'm not gonna be able to pronounce his name correctly probably but his name is Jan Morgenstern. I'm hoping that's probably right. Um, he he's a composer in Germany. Um, he does lots of like short films um, and stuff for like games uh, and TV. Uh, and he owns his own studio. I think it's uh, Wave Media or something in Germany. Um, and uh, his score for Sintel is really remarkable. Um, I think a lot of the storytelling is in the music um, and the way the music articulates and uh, punctuates. Uh, important story beats and emotional moments. Mm-hmm. Um, the music really gives this 15 minute film lots of scope um, to make the story feel epic, um, even though it's short. <laughs> yeah, Th- that's so interesting because I got to the end of the film and realized I hadn't noticed the music at all, <laughs> um, which I, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with for a first viewing and certainly f- like I, I'm fine with what that says about the music. Um, that like it, it, it just like provided exactly the emotional context for the images. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel about film score music sometimes the way I feel about like tech in theater. Like if it's doing its job, you don't notice it, uh-huh. um, and it's just there to like seamlessly uh, immerse you into the story um, in a way that doesn't draw attention to itself. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think the music absolutely accomplishes that in Sintel. There's one, as you know, one part of the music is the credit music, which um, I did notice. <laughs> right, I think it it that's it's it's a, such a great way to sort of comfort you after having gone on this pretty ruthless uh, journey yeah. with this character. 
Um, but the lyrics are really great, and I, w- I would like to draw attention to some of the lyrics of this song, if that's okay. Yeah, please. Um, the the music is by Jan Morgenstern, the guy who composed the music for the rest of the short, but the lyrics are by the writer of the film, um, Esther Wuda, I think. I might not be pronouncing that right, um, but again, like I, I uh, don't live in Europe, so... <laughs> Um, these lyrics are really remarkable though. And I think they shed a lot of light on just the ideas behind the story in the first place. So I'm just going to read some of these lyrics. Um, these are not my own words. Uh, these are by Esther Wuda and Jan Morgenstern. And this, these lyrics go, uh, come take my journey into night. Come be my shadow, walk at my side. And when you see all that I have seen, can you tell me love from pride? I have been waiting all this time for one to wake me one to call mine. So when you're near all that you hold dear, do you fear what you will find? As the dawn breaks through the night, I move on, forever longing for the home I found in your eyes. I will be listening for the drum to call me over, far away from my tender youth and the very truth showing me what I've become as the dawn breaks through the night. I move on, forever longing for the home I found in your eyes. Your voice saw me through the night. The song is called I Move On. Mm. Um, and it's just so, so perfectly encapsulates so many of the themes of like love and pride and, um, you know, having lost someone very dear to you. Um, and like uh, when you get closest to the things you care most about, like, realizing truths you didn't know before that change everything um Mm -hmm. and like what you have left to do is is just to continue um but that relates a lot to like if we're starting like very simply the title of the film is sintel the main character is sintel sintel is a dutch word for ember um and there's actually like a, a transition where sintel is at the fireside and 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 she's about to tell you know the story of how she met scales and we tilt up following embers coming off the fire and coming up to the ceiling um and the idea of like an ember is like the the remains of a fire not necessarily the remains of a fire but like you know it's created by a fire embers Uh come off of a fire and they can light new fires or they can die out yeah there's so much potential but also like they're so frail Mm mm-hmm Sintel's hair at the beginning of the film is this really bright red mm-hmm. and at the end of the film after everything that's happened it, it becomes interspersed with this sort of ashy gray oh. um, and so like it's almost like there's an ember there that may be dying um, and yeah. and uh, we're in this sort of we're left in this this limbo of like where to go from here and continuing on or yeah. it also like I feel like embers when they have life they have a very short life mm-hmm. um, unless they like catch fire um and like this being such a short film we see a lot of Sintel's life go by um like obviously a lot of time passes between um when she loses her dragon uh, when she loses scales and like when she arrives at the cave um she's been on a very long journey and I think like the hair sort of indicates that as well but really like her her long journey and like what could really be the 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 core of like her life's journey um, feels so short and and, and so short lived um, when it, it it could have should have been 
uh, so much more. Mm. Oh, there's a lot of like potential that is left uh, unexplored. Yeah. Um, because of this trauma. Right, and I mean the tragic uh, story. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a, a pretty nerdy segment. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I am an IMDb nerd. You, you are indeed. <laughs> uh, and I appreciate that about you. <laughs> um, I, I do kind of want to uh, bounce back a bit to some of the themes that we pulled out in our like general impressions um, and dive a little bit deeper into uh, this idea of seasons. Mm. Um because we talked about like seasons at the end of the film where it's uh, uh, um, where Sintel seems to be in a state of autumn and the world around her seems to be in a state of spring. Um, and, and it seems like a, a spring seems like a, a, a hopeful season to end um, a story in. And I, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the, the last of us, um, which is also structured um, in terms of season, also ends with spring. Is that right? Hmm, I think so. I, I, that seems right off the top of my head. Yeah, I think I think it does. And uh, which means it begins in summer. Which I I think the argument could be made that Centel also begins in summer. Um, she's got uh, fruits. At, I think including stone fruits um, that she's sort of like rummaging through before she finds um, scales. Right. You're talking about the story chronologically because um, it's told right. chronologically, not the right. beginning of the film, but, but the very earliest event in the story is in yeah. the summertime in the city. Yeah. We, the, the story seems to pick up in, in the dead of winter, but then returns to the earliest chronological event, which is mm-hmm. um, summer. And then there, there's this sort of transition from this like montage of of um, Sintel playing with scales and them sort of growing up together almost, mm-hmm. um, to this this moment where Sintel sort of runs off to join these birds who are maybe like flying south for the winter. Oh, interesting. You know, and the flock as representative of a shift in the seasons. Right. Oh man. And so I didn't I, think about that at all. I think that's how we get through, um, this sort of like autumn, autumn kind of season to the winter that, um, um, in which she, she's, arrives at the top of the mountain and goes into the, the, the innermost cave. Oh man. So like, just in case any listener uh, isn't familiar with like seasons in literature and like, if you are, pardon me for like explaining something you already know about, but like often in literature, um, the seasons that a story takes place in uh, come to represent uh, various like stages of life in general. So like mm-hmm. summer is very lively, very joyful, very sunny, right? Autumn is where like things begin to transition out of like the familiar and comfort like familiar comforts of summer winter is usually meant to signify death or loss um, because of all the like lack of uh, green life in the northern hemisphere during Mm -hmm. um, the winter time and then spring is often signifies like a rebirth um, or you know a a a a new life um, that is emerging um and so, like, the you know, we're 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 noting the seasons so far in in Sintel because of their literary significance and and uh-huh. their relevance to like Sintel's um, 
position as a character uh, and her sense of life uh, at that time. Yeah, and it, it, it also strikes me that like, um, if you have a tragic story, which this one is, um, a character beginning in high spirits and ending in low spirits makes like it makes sense for the character to begin in summer and end in winter. Yeah, it's so sad though at the end of the film when like Sintel has lost uh, her friend and has to walk off into the springtime. It's almost like cruel and ironic uh-huh. that the rest of the world is transitioning into new life and and she is you know left with this loss um, yeah but she's also like transitioning into a new life herself it's just like one characterized by like loss and, and by like a stripping down of, of her identity and 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 the way she constructs her life. Mm-hmm. I think some stories, though, maybe neglect this essential grieving stage, you know, of like moving on, uh, being a difficult thing when you've like mm. faced uh, death and, and loss. And, you know, we, we leave the character before she's really had any sort of catharsis about that moment, um, you know, about her actions uh, in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's just a really, there's a really beautiful poetic tragedy there um, that like it, the seasons hint that we're going somewhere new and we're starting fresh and, and, and we will live again. We'll be reborn. Uh, um, you know, a new fireable light from the ember, mm-hmm. but it's not there yet for Sintel. Yeah. The film also plays this interesting trick with the seasons where like if the flock of birds is meant to signify summer ending and transitioning to autumn, uh, you know, Sintel does this thing where when that when that other dragon snatched scales out of the sky and flew away with it, Sintel looked after the dragon, uh, you know, with with. kind of a narrowing brow. Yeah, it's clear on her face that she's angry and and wants to go retrieve her friend. Um, uh-huh. And when we see her set off to on that adventure, it's snowy. Which we it should be a clue to us that months have passed since she lost her friend mm. and and scales may have grown up. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but because we kind of skip over that period of time, you know, we, we, we smash cut from the end of summer to what could be midwinter. And uh-huh. I don't think you think much of it at the time, um, but there are consequences later on, especially because a dragon is a mythical beast. And like you can set your own rules about like how long it takes them to age, uh-huh. how long it takes them to, to grow into full size. And, and it's possible that like a Sintel being a human character like isn't fully aware mm-hmm. of how long it takes a, a, dra- a dragon to mature. Mm-hmm. And then like not only do we see her like departing in winter, um, she sort of like passes through a number of landscapes, which like could very well signify um, seasons oh. passing again. We have a Years. desert and a, yeah. a, a, a bamboo forest, and again the snowy mountains. Oh wow! I hadn't even considered that. That that those different terrains may not merely be just terrains, but they may be like entire years passing yeah. as she goes Especially on Especially if if she ends up with grayer hairs. Hmm. Well, also, people had get grayer hair from, from traumatic experiences. Yeah. Um, I mean, that would be very strange if her hair immediately turned gray following, uh, you know, <laughs> that event. But like, I'd probably still buy it. <laughs> she does appear to have aged um, a lot. And yeah. that may be just because of, of hardship, but it may also be because there are literal years going by that we just don't even register because we yeah. think it's about different environments and not about time passing. Uh-huh. But it's both. Ugh. 
as such a brilliant sleight of hand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so so like it's it's right in front of your face, um, you know, unless you are really watching closely and thinking carefully about the implications of uh, those seasons. Uh-huh. Now is the winter of our discontent, made glorious <laughs> summer by the sun of York. Ooh. <laughs> Which is, of course, from Richard III mm. by William Shakespeare. Um, a play where someone kills a lot of his friends. Yeah. Uh, but of course he means to. And it, it, so while Richard III is a tragedy, it's probably not as good an analog as, as say, Hamlet. To um, Sintel? To Sintel. Hamlet's a little uh. bit closer because he like doesn't want to be killing people. Um, indeed, he, he, he doesn't even want revenge by the end of the play. Um, but there's this, this one scene, um, it's act three, scene four, if you want to just read it. Um, (laughs) if if that's a thing that you do, um, (laughs) where Hamlet is, is like, just kind of like angry at his, his mother, just to completely oversimplify the scene. He's angry at his mother for, for having been sort of unfaithful to his father because when Claudius, Hamlet's uncle, killed Hamlet's father, Ham- mm-hmm. Hamlet Sr., um, <laughs> Gertrude then married um, Claudius, um, who was then the king. And, and, and he's like sort of in this rage. He, he hears a sound from behind a curtain and believes it may be the murderous king. Claudius. And, yeah, Claudius. Mm-hmm. And Hamlet um, stabs and kills the man behind the curtain. Of course, it's not Claudius. It's Polonius. Um, Polonius Monk, the famous jazz musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, a, there's that, that thing where like Hamlet is seeking revenge uh, uh, because he lost uh, someone dear to him. Right. And there ends up being collateral damage um, to uh, people who are innocent. Yeah. So there's a bit of an analog there, I suppose, to uh-huh. and then and then and then we sort of like get the in Hamlet we get the logical like the falling out of that, mm-hmm. um, the consequence uh, for Hamlet personally and how he then feels about himself and about murder as revenge, mm-hmm. um, and he like kind of comes out of it in the way that that Sintel uh, appears to be coming out of it, where like he doesn't. He, he doesn't even, like, wish the, the king dead nearly as much as he did at the beginning. He's not so obsessed with revenge, but he is kind of, like, hardened to the fact of death. Yeah, well, it's almost like, I think there's an element, too, of, like, being afraid of, of your own power, too. Of, like, mm. you know, like, what have my hands done kind of thing. Of uh, That Sintel has a moment, too, where she, like, she looks at her reflection in her friend's pool of blood, um, and she, she looks at her, looks down at her hands. Um, and it's, it's like this reckoning with like, um, the fact that like, you, you know, you had power, you didn't know you had, um, mm-hmm. and it can do damage. Um, and like, you know, and now there's like, I think Hamlet, uh, has a similar realization where it's like coming out of that. It's like being more afraid of oneself, mm-hmm. um, in a way. And I think that's like a threshold, uh, you know, crossing into adulthood. Uh, this is like, there's absolutely, there's a, a, a Shakespearean poetry uh, to this tragedy, Sintel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a very sort of one-to-one uh, comeuppance 
um, that like Sintel goes into the inmost cave and like the very uh, flaw that is driving her, she has to lose what she came here to get, you know, in order to re- recognize this flaw and to move mm-hmm. on having grown out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a poetic justice there. Um, we've talked about Shakespeare. I'm going to tell a quick story about when I was, I don't know, seven or eight years old. I don't know. Um, I don't know what I did to deserve this, but I, I was given a reward for something. Um, I don't know. I don't know why I I was given this trophy. Um, I don't remember the reason. I think some, uh, uh, baby boomer or generation X person wanted me to have a trophy thinking I needed it somehow. I don't know. I don't know what it was for. (laughs) It was, but it was a bookmark. Okay. Okay. It was a little plastic salamander bookmark. I remember everything about it. It was blue and it had purple spots and the plastic was black. It was just a sticker on a piece of plastic. Uh-huh. Um, and, and it, you know, it's tail like folded on, over on top of itself uh-huh. so that you could hook it onto pages in a book. And I was gifted this salamander bookmark and I loved it so much. I uh, just, I was handed it and I looked at it and I you know, with the hearts in my eyes, it was the coolest little bookmark ever. Um, but I didn't realize it was a bookmark. Mm. And so I, I held the salamander and I turned it over and I looked at it and I, I realized the tail was bent and I thought the salamander was damaged. And so without thinking, I grabbed the bent end of the tail and and tried to pull it up to to restore it to salamander form and it just broke it completely off. That's so tragic. It's so tragic. And I loved it so much and I thought I just want to take care of the salamander. I just want to restore him to, you know, his uh Natural his true state. form. Yeah. And uh and I ended up just killing it. Um, and I cried and cried and cried. I remember as a kid that upset me so much. And it's a similar thing where it's like <laughs> on a smaller scale, like I think you learn this as a child to like mm-hmm. fear yourself. And like I, 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 I had a moment, I look at my hands, I'm like, what have I done? <sighs> if only I could, could rewind time, um, uh-huh. you know, and uh, have not killed my salamander bookmark. <laughs> Um, I think this, this theme of, of like not having enough information, um, or misunderstanding, uh, uh, something you love. Mm. And so you try to fix it, um, and you end up breaking it. Um, I think is something really as fundamental to, uh, like human nature and something we learn as children. Um, it, it like, it rings true and it runs deep. Um, this, this sense of like, underestimating uh, one's power and overestimating one's understanding. Um, and for Sintel, it results in tragic loss. And, and so in that way, it's almost a coming-of-age story as much as it is a tragedy. Absolutely. I think growing up is tragic, um, honestly. Yeah, growing up is, is a form of loss. Mm-hmm. And it's a series of losses. Mm, a loss of innocence hey we just did our first short film episode and uh so we did that uh that was great i think we could continue doing shorts um this was fun because it's it's like a little bit of a niche sort of film Uh um you know like or a niche sort of film Depending. <laughs> that's uh, that's very Quixotic of you to, uh, <laughs> to try to make that a thing. Um, 
it's um <laughs> you'll get that if you've listened to the whole podcast <laughs> um that's a little reward for return listeners <laughs> um yeah it's it's definitely less mainstream than some of the things we watched before like bandersnatch and steve mm-hmm. jobs and you know mm-hmm. uh so I, it's fun because i like to sprinkle i'd love to sprinkle more of these sort of things into this podcast as like almost like recommendations to listeners who may not have heard of of these films and and want to explore something yeah. that may be a little off the beaten track Oh, um, hidden gems. Yeah. So this was this was a fun episode. I like that. I think maybe yeah, we'll do I more really like this. So this has been our episode on Sintel, uh, uh, the 2010 animated short film uh, by uh, Blender Foundation. Are you watching closely? Is produced by Spencer Channel. Um, it is edited up to this point by by Spencer Channel. Our music is by Spencer, and our cover art is by me, Mallory Strom, and Spencer. Um, the photo in our cover art is by Spencer. <laughs> if you uh, want to get in touch, you can email us at areyouwatchingcloselypodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts and theories, things that you've noticed, um, and uh, any like recommendations for film and TV you want to hear us break down and talk about. Yeah, um, We love any of those things. And if you want um, extras, outtakes, uh, cut for time segments, or an our... entirely additional podcast, <laughs> yeah, where <laughs> you can listen to our commentary as uh, we watch the films that we break down. And are you watching closely? You can get that in Close Viewers, which is our companion podcast, available to patrons on our Patreon page, which is Patreon.com/slash. It's in the description closely? for the podcast. So just go ahead and click that hyperlink. <laughs> we also post content for people who are on Patreon. So you can go and look at things we've posted uh, that have influenced our thinking about the various things we're watching. There's lots of fun stuff up there. Even yeah. if you don't want to uh, pay for you know the additional access stuff, you can still just check out our Patreon. We've got some cool stuff on there. So Absolutely. We'd love Great to. Great community uh, page for exactly. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's our little home base there. Anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, I can't wait to see you in the next episode. You're, you're not going to see them. You're going to see anyone except for me. I can't wait to watch you as you listen to our podcast. I, I can't wait to talk at you in the next episode. I can't wait to have a one-way conversation with you in our next episode. Oh, jeez. I'm looking forward uh, to connecting with you over the yeah, internet as we throw time. our episodes into the void <laughs> and hope that someone uh, is there to listen. Yeah. <laughs> Until then. Until then, we will continue to be Mallory Strom. That's Spencer Channel. Thanks for watching closely. See you next time. Bye.